pray that you would, you would soften our hearts to, to hear your truth and, and to apply it to our lives. Would you remove all distractions from us as your word goes forth and help me to get out of your way so that you can do what only you can do. And we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Raise your hand if you didn't get a study sheet, if you would. I think we just have, we just have the one. You can get it online through the QR code in, in the pew back in front of you as well. <clears throat> Man, I hope you guys all had a great Thanksgiving. We, we certainly did, and, and, and I just wanted to say that I'm very thankful for you. And uh, I, I have had the privilege of being uh, your senior pastor now for a whopping five months. And uh, man, it's been, it's been an incredible blessing, and you guys have been uh, such an encouragement to us and a blessing to us, and I will forever be thankful for the way that you guys took us in and took my family in and, and, and loved on us. So, so thank you for that, and I, one of the things I'm thankful for this year is y'all. So, I, I, so, so we've been in a, in a verse-by-verse... <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> we've 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 been in a in a verse by verse study of of the book of First Thessalonians uh, for quite a few weeks now, eleven or twelve weeks, I, I, I guess it's been. And in last week, we finished studying chapter two. If you were here last week, we we had a little bit of fun with those last few verses in chapter two, and we 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 had our own spin on a little. Dateline exclusive, a little, a little classic case of a whodunit, and so we we had some fun with that last week. But 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 at the end of chapter two, what we saw was that Paul, Silas, and Timothy they actually knew whodunit in our in our in our Dateline murder mystery. They knew whodunit because it was in, at the end of chapter two we see that it was Satan that was that was actually hindering them from going back to check on the Thessalonians and to establish them in the faith. But, but interestingly enough, what we did was we saw back in Acts 16 that the Spirit had previously hindered them in a very similar way. The Spirit had hindered them from going to Bithynia. So we had to ask ourselves last week as we were studying this passage, we had to ask ourselves, now how did they know who it was that was hindering them? How did they know? Was it God or, or, or was it Satan? Because there's a huge difference in the way that we respond to the hindrance or the, or the roadblock based on who it is that's hindering us because God sets up roadblocks to redirect us into, into open new doors and Satan is wanting to, to close the door and he's wanting to keep that thing shut. God's wanting to close the door so that he can open another one. And so we, we talked about the fact that there, there are no shortcuts to figuring out who it is that's setting up this roadblock. There, there's no shortcuts, but we can know by closely following the shepherd because God's sheep know the shepherd's voice and a, and a stranger they will not follow. And, and so we, we investigated the way that Satan works and, and the way that he operates. And, and we looked at his motive for this particular crime as we were 
as we were calling it last week. And we discovered that the reason that Satan was interested in investing his time in hindering Paul, Silas, and Timothy's ministry to the Thessalonians is because he understood the eternal value of the nature of the work that they were doing. And and, and that's how chapter 2 ended. And now what we're going to begin to see as we start studying chapter 3 is the concern that Paul, Silas, and Timothy have for the faith of the Thessalonians. Throughout this chapter, man, they're just constantly expressing their concern in regards to the faith of these new converts. In in fact, five times in a nine-verse span in this chapter, he talks about their faith. Chapter 3 in verse 2, he says, he's there to comfort you concerning your faith. And then in verse 5, he talks about, I sent to know your faith. In verse 6, he says, I br- to br- bring us good tidings of your faith. In verse 7, he, the, talking about the affliction and distress by your faith. In verse 10, to perfect that which is lacking of, of their faith. And constantly over and over again, in all these verses in this chapter... He keeps going back to and harping on and pounding this thing of their faith and this concern that he has of their faith. And and so listen, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out and it it doesn't even take a, a biblical scholar or theologian to figure out what Paul, Silas, and Timothy are emphasizing in this chapter. They've got a very real concern over the faith of the Thessalonians. And as a result of that concern, it says in 1 Thessalonians 3.1, where we'll begin this morning, it says, Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear. There it is. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear. Okay. In other words, listen, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they were so concerned about the faith of the Thessalonians that they actually reached a place where they're saying, man, we could no longer forbear. We literally just couldn't take it anymore. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. And and I mentioned this last week, but, but just to remind you, Paul, Silas, and Timothy are writing this book from Athens, and they were in Athens because they were fleeing persecution, okay? persecution they came at Thessalonica and and then they they had to take off out of there they had to take out take off out of Thessalonica and what happened was is they had initially escaped to Berea so they get to Berea they start reaching people with the gospel in Berea but the Thessalonians that didn't believe those sorry suckers chased them all the all the way to Berea and so they flee from the persecution in Berea and they end up in Athens. And, and like I mentioned last week, that, that persecution and, and, and that work of Satan that was hindering them from coming back to Thessalonica like they so desperately wanted to do, that was the motivation for the book of 1 Thessalonians being written. Isn't that, isn't that incredible? The fact that Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they couldn't get back to the Thessalonians because Satan hindered them is the reason that they wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians so they could communicate to them while not being there in person. But it's unbelievable to see the way that God still fulfilled his purposes even in the midst of the work of Satan. 
Satan hinders Paul, Silas, and Timothy from going back to Thessalonica. And the result of that is we're still being perfected by the book they wrote 2,000 years later. That's an unbelievable thing, and only God can do. But, but while they're in Athens, Acts 17 tells us that this, this city of Athens, the whole city, it says, is given over to idolatry. And, and as a result of witnessing that, Paul's spirit was stirred inside of him, it, it says. And, and that's why Paul felt like, after attempting to get back to Thessalonica and Satan hindering them, at this point he's feeling like he needs to stay in Athens and and you can, just, you can just imagine, he wants to get back to the Thessalonians and perfect them in the faith, but he's sitting here in Athens, and he's seeing this whole city taken over by idolatry and all the disgusting things that were associated with, with that. But he just can't take it anymore because he's got to know how the Thessalonians are doing. He couldn't endure it any longer. And so here's what he did in verse 2. 1 Thessalonians 3, 2 and sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. And that leads us to number one on your study sheet. Number one, making a team effort. Making a team effort. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, listen, they, they, they weren't afraid to work together as a team, and so because they just couldn't take it anymore, they sent Timothy to see how the Thessalonians are doing, and what I want us to see is, is that they worked as a team, and as a result, they were able to accomplish a whole lot more. One person doing everything, it ain't going to take us very far, whether it's business or whether it's sports, you name it, you can accomplish more as a team, and listen, that's why God designed the church the way that he designed it. 1 Corinthians 12, 27, it teaches us that we are the body of Christ and members in particular. Members are referring to, to, to body parts. We are the spiritual body of Christ, and just like the physical body, we're comprised of different members or different body parts. And just like a physical body, the spiritual body has different body parts that have different roles and different functions within that body that are all working together to accomplish a common mission or a common goal. And, and we work together as a team to accomplish the same things in this spiritual body of Christ that Jesus was accomplishing in his physical body. We're working together as a team. It's, it's God's plan for our lives. It's God's plan for this church. But there's a key reason why oftentimes we don't work together as a team. There's something that holds us back. And what holds us back is that we care who gets the credit. What holds us back is, is that we care who gets the credit. It's on your study sheet there. There, there's, a, there's a popular quote that I'm about to tell you, and I don't know actually if someone in particular is credited with saying it because I want to make sure that they get the credit while I'm talking about not caring who gets the credit. But I'm not, but I'm not sure who it was, 
But as has been said through the years, it's amazing what can get accomplished when no one cares who gets the credit. So, so Paul sends Timothy to Thessalonica because of this great concern for the faith of the Thessalonians. And Timothy goes there and, and he continues to minister to the Thessalonians and perfect them, establishing them in the faith. But listen, now Paul could have said, hold on now. If he goes and does that without me, he's going to get all the credit for that. When people talk about in the future all the work that was done in Thessalonica, they're going to start associating that with Timothy as opposed to associating that with me. And listen, if Paul would have done that, he would have been dead wrong for doing that. But he would have been in really, really good company because it happens in the church all the time. You know how common that is? When God is using people to, to reach the lost and to disciple others and, and to train others and to teach others and get them established in the faith, and God is doing his thing, then all of a sudden, we start getting a little tempted to poke our chest out just a little bit because we're taking, we're, we're taking pride in the way that the power of God has been on our lives and what God did through us, and all of a sudden, we start to want... The credit, and man, what a mess that creates. And you talk about a recipe for taking the power of God right off your life with a, just like that. That's a recipe for that. But, 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 but here, was, here was Paul's approach, and this is the approach that, that we desperately need. Paul didn't care who got the credit as long as God got the glory. This isn't about us, y'all. This is, this is about him. We're working together as a team to honor him. But Karen, who gets the credit, that's gonna, it's going to hold us back from what God wants to do through us. God wants us to work as, as a team. But there's another problem that tends to arise when we, when we make a team effort that doesn't have anything to do with the, the, the pride associated with people wanting the credit. And it's that they, that they aren't the right people to share the work with or to team up with. You, you can get a lot accomplished for the cause of Christ if you have the right people in place. But listen, those are few and far between in this day and age that we're living in. Which brings us to number two on your study sheet. Why Timothy? Number two on your study sheet. Why Timothy? Now again, in, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Verses 1 and 2, we, we see that, that Paul s- sent Timothy to establish and comfort the church of the Thessalonians in the faith. Paul wanted so desperately to go and, and had previously tried, but Satan hindered him. And Paul's feeling like he needs to stay in Athens, but he sends Timothy to check on the Thessalonians. But what I want us to ask ourselves is, what was so special about Timothy that he sent him? And, and, and I want us to see why it was that Timothy was the guy for the job and, and why it is that certain times there are, different, there are certain people that carry most of the weight in a particular ministry. And I think God shows us this in the book of Philippians. There was, there was something similar that was going on in Philippi as there was in Thessalonica because just like in Thessalonica in Philippi, Paul isn't able to get back to check 
on, on the Philippians either when he desperately wishes he could. It's the same, essentially the same scenario. And just like the, the, the saints at Thessalonica, he was majorly concerned about checking on the faith of the Philippians. And, and, he, and he wants to send Timothy to check on them as well. Now, now listen, here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 19 through 21. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus, Timothy shortly unto you that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. In other words, their, their state of being, more specifically their spiritual state of being. But why is he sending Timothy? Listen. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ's. You see, Paul sent Timothy, and he sends him in place of, him, of himself. And we see Paul keeps sending Timothy on these missions. But listen, it isn't because Timothy's just so doggone gifted. And man, just he's so special that nobody could possibly do it like this dude. There are reasons that he keeps sending Timothy, but it's not that. And there are two reasons listed here as to why Timothy keeps being the guy over and over again. And one of the reasons is because no one else cared like him. Letter A, no one else cared enough. No one else cared enough. Back to, to Philippians 2 in, in verse 20. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Timothy was, was like-minded, but that was very hard to come by. And he was like-minded, or he's of the, of the same mind when it came to naturally or, or genuinely caring for the saints at Philippi. And clearly Paul wasn't able to find too many Timothys. In fact, this verse says he wasn't able to find a single other one. There had been a lot of converts, but there weren't a lot of Timothys. Timothy was the only one he could send that would genuinely care for their estate, for their state of being like he did. And so this is why that just like in Thessalonica, Paul keeps sending Timothy in this situation where it requires going back to check on the spiritual state of a body of believers. Timothy was like-minded in that he genuinely or, or naturally cared for these people. And so I've got to ask us this morning, man, where are the Timothys in 2022? Where are the Timothys in these generations that, that we're living in? Paul didn't have anybody else like him at the time. Where are the Timothys out there that genuinely care about people, the people we've been called to reach, the people we've been called to minister to. We, we, we've been talking this morning about, about working together as a, as a team, working as a team with a common goal of reaching people with the message of Jesus Christ and, and establishing believers in the faith so that they can reach others also. But can you imagine the amount that could be done with a room full of Timothys? 
Wow, not just a guy or two that truly cares, but a room full of Timothys that are like-minded with Paul and genuinely care about people and that aren't worried who, who gets the credit. Man, that's a group of people right there that could be used in some incredible ways. I want to be a part of that team, man. I think that team could go undefeated. Look out, 72 Dolphins. Somebody's coming for you. That team right there. And, and, and another reason that, that Paul sent Timothy was because, letter B, everyone else cared too much about themselves. Everyone else cared too much about themselves. Again, Philippians 2 and verse 20 and, and 21, I have... I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your estate. What are they doing instead? Verse 21, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Oh man, and this is such a convicting and an indicting verse. Why is it that Paul didn't have more Timothys at his disposal? Because no one else was like-minded and that they genuinely cared about the people and were seeking the things of Jesus. And why was that the case? It wasn't that they didn't care about anything. They were full of care, but they couldn't care about others and the things of Jesus Christ because they cared too much about themselves. They were seeking their own, it says. It's really hard for us to care about others and, and to seek the things of Jesus when we're so preoccupied with ourselves. Paul says, Timothy, I'm sending you, bro. Because though we've watched many people come to saving faith in Jesus Christ, and we've got some solid leaders, I can't seem to find people that are seeking the things of Jesus like you are. And, and, and we can't fi- seem to find people that are like-minded and, and care for others because they're all too busy seeking their own things, not the things of Jesus. In, in, in the same chapter, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says in, in verse 4, he says it this way, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. You see, that's glorifying to the Lord. That's pleasing in His sight. That's describing what it looks like to to care for their state, as we saw in verse 20. And that's what Jesus cared about. The things which are Jesus Christ's from, from verse 21 that no one was seeking is ministering to and caring for people. Another way we could refer to the things that are Jesus Christ's is the way that Paul says it in Colossians 3, 1 and 2. In Colossians 3, 1 and 2, it says, If ye then be, be risen with Christ, being, being risen with Christ happened to us spiritually the day we were saved. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. The things above are where Christ is currently seated. They are the Things which are Jesus Christ from Philippians 2. The the things which are Jesus Christ, listen, are the things that are above where he is currently seated. 
Verse 2, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And in Philippians 2, Paul is literally describing the exact opposite of this admonition that's given in Colossians 3. Put the, look at those two verses on the same screen, if you will. Philippians 2.21 says, All seek their own, not the things of Jesus Christ, which is to say, like Colossians 3.2 says, which is to say, they set their affection or were seeking the things on earth, not the things above. Paul's exhortation or his admonition in Colossians 3.2 is the remedy for Philippians 2.21. That's the remedy, the eternal things above. Those are the word of God and the souls of men. That's, that's, that's eternal. And so we seek those things that are above or those things of Jesus Christ and we invest the word of God into the souls of men, the two eternal things. That's the mission. But no one was doing that with Paul, quite like Timothy, because everyone was so preoccupied with their own selves. And listen, I would bet you a lot of them were preoccupied with good things. They, they might have even been preoccupied making sure that they were providing financially for their children. They might have been preoccupied spending quality time with their spouse and all kind of other good things. And, and, and those things that I just mentioned, they're not only good things, by the way, they're, they're God-ordained, they're commanded by God. So they're not just good, they're actually essential. It's just that they aren't the only things that we've been commanded to do and God never told us to do those things at the neglect or at the expense of seeking and setting our affection on the things above and involving ourselves in the mission. Do, do all those good things. We're, we're about to have a conference on marriage, man. So we're all about family because God is. But his design was never for us to do one at the neglect of the other. In, in, in fact... The, the commands to the family, listen, are actually for the purpose of facilitating the mission. Do you realize that? So that the world can see the way that we are with our spouses and our families and the picture that paints of Christ in the church and see the light of Jesus Christ in our lives and be drawn to that light. That's why we do those things. But Paul says, all we're seeking their own. And again, I want to be sure to point out that doesn't necessarily mean they were all spinning out and involved in what we would consider some sort of egregious sin. But they weren't seeking the best things. They, they, they weren't seeking the eternal things. And so I have to ask us, where, have all, where are all the Timothys in this world? Do you have that desire in your heart? To be someone that doesn't seek their own, but seeks the things of the Lord Jesus Christ, the things that are above. Timothy, man, what an example this guy is for us. So, so God wants us to have a team effort as we minister through this local body. He wants our lives and our approach to the ministry to look like Timothy. We can, we can expand our reach to the world and, man, do so many more things to minister to the world with a room full of Timothys who aren't seeking their own, but the things 
of the Lord Jesus Christ that are above. And then next, I want us to see number three, the real purpose of the visit. The real purpose of the visit. What was the real purpose of Timothy's visit to the Thessalonians? We, we, we want to be someone that's equipped to do what Timothy did, but what did Timothy do? What were the real purposes and objectives for going to the Thessalonians? And one of the main objectives was letter A, to establish them in their faith. We, we, we've talked some about this, to establish them in their faith. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 2 says that they sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God, and, fellow, and our fellow labor in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Okay, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they head out of Thessalonica, they get out of there so fast, and based on what the Bible discloses to us in Acts 17, 2, we know they had to have been there for at least three weeks, but, but we're not sure if they were there a whole lot longer than that. And though we've already learned from 1 Thessalonians 1 that, that the Thessalonians, man, they had this radical transformation in their lives and they were immediately used of God to be examples and to start sounding out the word of the Lord to Macedonia and Achaia and also in every place, it says. But despite that, and despite how they'd been used in this radical transformation, despite that, Paul, Silas, and Timothy really hadn't gotten a whole lot of time to establish these folks in their faith. If you're established in your faith, you're, you're strengthened in your faith, you're, in a, you're settled. You, you, don't, you don't get rattled in your faith. You're on solid ground. 2 Thessalonians 2.17 describes it like this. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. If you're established in every good word, you believe the right things. And if you're established in every good work, you do the right things. And, and you're not easily shaken in what you believe. And, and you're not easily shaken in, in what you're doing. Paul wanted to establish them in their faith. And it's important that, that we all get established in our faith. We understand why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe and get established and then work to establish others in their faith. Another purpose of sending Timothy to check up on the state of the Thessalonians was letter B, to comfort them in their faith. To comfort them in their faith. First Thessalonians it's 3, 2, the back half of the verse, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Listen, because of the persecution that we've discussed, there's, there's no doubt that the church of the Thessalonians could really use some comfort in their lives. But the way that the Bible consistently uses the word comfort, it's, it's not simply the type of comfort that we think of when little Sally skins her knee. Right? It, it's, not, it, it's not simply that. It, it's, a, it's a comfort that's connected to exhortation. In other words, it's a comfort connected to encouraging them and challenging them to keep pressing on despite their circumstances. Keep pushing forward. That's the kind of comfort 
we're talking about. Sure, I have no doubt that the Thessalonians needed somebody to lend an ear to and to just show them some, some kindness and comfort them, show them that they care, but they also needed someone to encourage them to move forward. So, so as we in this body of Christ, we're, we're working as a team, we're, we're not caring who gets the credit, and, and we're becoming Timothys that, that genuinely care about the work of the Lord and the things of Jesus Christ. We're, we're focused on the primary purposes that God has us doing that, which is to establish people in the faith and to comfort them in their faith. And as all of that's going on, we need to understand the challenges Number four, understanding the challenges. There, there are challenges and there are obstacles along the way as people are being built up in their faith. And, and one of those challenges is letter A. One of those challenges is the appointments. The appointments. And it's very important that you listen to this point. The appointments. We find this in, in verse 3 of chapter 3, but, but start with me in verse 2. I sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God and fellow labor in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, for yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. You see, we've got some scheduled appointments. And these aren't the kind of appointments that we're looking forward to. And some of us understand that we have these appointments. It's just that we don't know when they are. And others of us don't even know that we've got the appointments. But this, this, is, this is the kind of appointment that you don't have to go somewhere in order to keep it. Listen, these appointments are, are up with the times. These are mobile appointments. They, these appointments will come to you, unfortunately. It's, it's kind of like the, the, the appointment that you have with, what was his name? Dog the Bounty Hunter. You, you got an appointment with dog the, the bounty hunter. You don't know when the appointment's coming, but when it comes, that thing packs a wallop. That's, it's kind of it's one of those kind of an appointments. And according to verses 3 and 4, these appointments that are coming, they're afflictions and tribulation. Aren't you glad to hear that encouraging word this morning? And so, so people are walking around, they're, they're just as excited as they can be, they're saved, and man, they're on a high as they're following the Lord, they just can't believe that they're a sinner saved by grace, this is wonderful, and boom, they get hit with afflictions and persecutions, and they don't understand what in the world is going on. And it's important that we warn people of this, like Paul, Silas, and Timothy teach us. It's important that we warn them as we build their faith, they need to know they've got some appointments in their coming. That's why you'll see people, they, they come off of this spiritual high, and they fall off the reservation, right? All of a sudden, you, you don't see them around anymore. They were happy as can be, and all of a sudden, some people started persecuting them circumstances of life knocked them out they need to know that's coming they need to know why it's coming so they don't get defeated and discouraged in this thing we we need to show them from james 
chapter 1 and verse 2, we need to show them that we can count it all joy when we fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The, the trials, the afflictions, the tribulations, the temptations, they're doing a work in us so that we can come out of the other side perfected and stronger. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 10 says it this way, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, listen, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you, that's why the afflictions come. That's why the, that's why the tribulations come. And while Satan wants to use that to sideline us from our walk with Christ, Jesus is there and he wants to use it to perfect us and to conform us into his image. And people need to know that. We got to teach them that so that they don't get defeated in this thing. And, and so that they understand that those trials, man, they're going to make them more like Christ. Otherwise, like 1 Thessalonians 3, 3 implies, if we don't warn them, they'll be moved by these afflictions, is what it says. Being moved by afflictions is, is the opposite of the previous verse, which lets us know that we're to establish them in their faith. Being moved and being established. These are, these are opposite ideas. Okay, so, so like we saw in verse 2 of 1 Thessalonians 3, we need to establish and comfort them. But like we're seeing in verses 3 and 4, we're to warn them that afflictions and tribulations are coming. Because according to verse 5, Satan wants to use that to tempt us. That's one of the other challenges that we face. Challenges from letter B, from the tempter. Challenges from the tempter. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, moving on to verse 5. It says, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Why? Lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. He, he wants to use those trials, those afflictions that come to each and every one of us, and he wants to use them and he wants to use them to tempt us. You know what he wants to tempt us to do? Drink, smoke, and listen to heavy metal? Is that what he, is that what he wants to tempt us to do? No? Not exactly. The tempter wants to tempt us to walk away from the faith. Satan wants to tempt us to cash it in, man. This ain't worth it. That's what he wants to do. Do you remember the parable of the sower in, in Luke chapter 8? Jesus, he's giving this parable about the sower and, and the seed, and he's talking about what happened to the seed that was planted based on where it landed or the, the soil that it, it landed, right? Some fell on thorns and got choked out. You guys remember this. Others fell to the wayside, right? And the, and the birds, gobbled it, birds gobbled it up, and there are others. But in Luke 8, 11, Jesus begins explaining this parable. And he, and he tells us that the seed symbolizes in this parable, it symbolizes the word of God. 
And, and Jesus de- describes what happens when the seed of the Word of God lands in these different places. And one of the other, one of the other places that Jesus describes is this seed that lands on a rock. And he says in Luke 8, 13, and listen closely, he says, they on the rock are they, when the, the seed, they on the rock are they, which when they hear, they receive the word with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe. And then what happens? And in time of temptation, fall away. You see, this is what Paul was so concerned about, is this right here. The people in the parable received the word with joy. Do you remember that the Thessalonians, in 1 Thessalonians 1.6, they also received the word with joy, it says. But, but his fear was that just like the parable, they would receive that word with joy, but they would fall away in time of temptation. And there are people that that happens to because there's no root. And in time of temptation from the tempter, they fall away. And if that would have happened to Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they're saying, man, our work would have been in vain if that would have happened. So so we've got to know those appointments are going to be in our lives and and in the lives of those we're discipling. And and we've got to know that that our adversary is wanting to tempt us and, and tempt our disciples with those appointments to to get us to tap out, and then next, we need to know that what builds the faith of others is what keeps building our faith. Building the faith of others builds our faith. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, But now Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live if ye stand fast in the Lord. Verse 6, it is telling us that, man, Timothy came back and he came back with this great report. Okay, Timothy comes back to Paul and Silas. He's telling them, man, these guys are so strong in their faith and their lives. They're full of charity And they were just dying to see Paul and Silas just like they wanted to see them. And he comes back and he gives this incredibly encouraging report. And then verse 7 says that that Paul, Silas, and Timothy, they they just received so much comfort in knowing this, knowing how they were doing spiritually. And then please don't miss verse 8. It says, For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord or stand strong, in the Lord. And clearly, listen, clearly they weren't going to physically die if the Thessalonians weren't standing fast in the Lord, right? Certainly that's not what they're saying. But you know what they are saying? They're saying, knowing that you're standing fast in the Lord is what truly living is actually all about. People are out there thinking they're truly living, doing all kind of stuff, and most of it isn't good. And, and, and they think they're living, and Paul, Silas, and Timothy are saying to us, knowing that those that we invested in and ministered to and led to the Lord are standing strong in the faith, now that's truly living. Have you ever tried that? 
You see, building the faith of others was what kept building the faith of Paul, Silas, and Timothy. And I know that throughout the course of this verse-by-verse study that we've been in in 1 Thessalonians, some of you may have been sitting here because we've certainly talked about investing in others and discipling a lot because that's what the passage keeps talking about. But some of you may be sitting here thinking, I'm a little too worried about me right now to worry about anybody else. And I'm trying to show you that's part of the problem. Because investing in and ministering to and loving others is what helps us continue to build our faith and causes us to grow. Listen, some of us may have gotten saved years back, back in the day. Some of us may have gotten saved years back and you keep saying to yourself, man, I, I need to grow. I need to grow in, in, in my walk in the Lord. And maybe the reason you haven't grown is because you got saved and you never took the next step. And the next step is to start pouring into others. That's the next step. So you may, you may have thought, man, I need something more for where I'm at right now out of this book. And, and, and maybe even thought some of this content wasn't applicable to you, to where you're at. Maybe, but maybe, it was actually giving you exactly what you need you just didn't know that's what you needed maybe you've been struggling to grow because you've been keeping everything that you've learned to yourself and now God is saying it's time to invest in others and it will actually increase your faith as it's increasing theirs let's pray Jesus I love your word, and, and I love this book of 1 Thessalonians that, that you divinely inspired and that you preserved for us. And I come before you this morning, and I, I thank you for that word. Man, I, I, I pray, God, that that seed that went out this morning wouldn't be snatched up anywhere, God, but that but that, that would take root in the lives of people. I pray, God, that we would, we would understand satan's devices and that we would understand the way that that he's working to tempt us i pray god that we would work together in this body of christ as a team to accomplish a common mission while we're investing the word of god in others warning them about the 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 warning them about the appointments god that are going to be ahead that are going to attempt to sideline us from this whole thing lord and i pray god that you would just help us this morning to begin to understand that that maybe what we really need is maybe what we really need and what's been holding us back from growing is that everything that we do have and everything that we do know and everything that you've entrusted us with we haven't been giving it to anybody else god i pray that you change us in that way and that you'd give us opportunity and you'd help us to find places where we can pour that word and pour that truth into other people's lives who desperately need it. And we love you. In your name we pray, amen.